0: The few, the proud, the four-wheel drive people showed up this morning. It's good to see you guys here at church, and for those of you joining us online here today, thanks. Welcome welcome to Fellowship. You woke up this morning and thought, it's no big deal. I'm going to make it to church. We'll be just fine. So, hope you guys are joining us online as well. You're nice and warm. It is toasty here at church and so thanks so much for joining us. You know, we thought, we thought, we we're kind of looking at our calendar and thought, you know, this might be a good day to you know, bring in kind of all the kind of food and beverage stuff that we've been missing for a long time. So we thought about coffee, might be appropriate, but instead what we've prepared for you after the service is just an amazing display of snow cones, of popsicles and like a giant just ice cream sundae bar out there. And so make sure you just you really enjoy that as you guys exit. Um, it's going to be incredible for you this morning. So no, just kidding. Uh, on your way out, if you guys want to, um, if you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, uh, we have our children's ministry team has prepared our Lent devotionals. And so they've done an incredible job of preparing those for us. And so the idea is that parents and families can together kind of prepare their hearts for Easter. And so uh, Lent is a season where we kind of practice preparing our hearts for the Easter um. Experience and so invite you guys to pick up one of those Lent devotional guides on your way out this morning. No ice cream or popsicles, I'm so sorry. So, uh, we would love to have you guys pick up one of those, and also this Wednesday, uh, we're gonna have an Ash Wednesday service, and so. Uh, Our college team is going to be leading that. We're not going to have children's ministry, but our college team is going to do an incredible job just kind of preparing us. And so we still plan on having that at this point. So we invite you guys online here this morning with us if you want to join us for Ash Wednesday as we prepare for Easter. And speaking of preparation, one of the things that that we believe is important here at church is to prepare young couples for marriage. And so we have an eight-week premarital experience called Merge for seriously dating and engaged couples. And so invite you or someone you know or someone that you um, are are aware of that's, that's considering getting married or is engaged to be married. We start that one week from today. And so invite you guys to sign up. We actually are closing our sign-ups tomorrow, and so invite you to sign up for Merge. We, we, we go over a whole bunch of stuff, a biblical view of marriage, conflict, um, and connection. We talk about um, sexual intimacy and in-laws and finances and a biblical home and what that looks like, and so that's what we do in Merge. And so we'd love to have you or someone that you know who's considering getting married jumping in with us. We start that a week from... A day. So happy Valentine's Day for those of you who are here. Uh, if you have already celebrated Valentine's Day uh, with your loved one, great job. My wife and I were waiting for today. We might find some open reservations. There might be a few cancellations. Uh, I'm going to have to kind of get on the phone and see what all is available. So, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we want you guys to be able to watch next with us. We have a um, a video prepared where we're gonna kind of meet our potential new elders. And so we at Fellowship Bible Church take the Bible literally, and we believe that what Paul did when he traveled around kind of the Mediterranean, the early church, he was planning churches and appointing men to lead in these local churches. And so uh, we take the similar position and uh, we have a couple of men that we uh, are appointing to elders. And so Mickey's gonna kind of give us an update and talk about our elders and want you guys to consider them as well. So thanks so much for coming. Let's check this out.
1: Hello, fellowship. I have some great news for you. We are just about a year away from opening the new Bentonville campus, and we've just crossed the $15 million mark toward reaching the goal of developing this new campus and paying for it by December of 2022. We're not paying any interest on this project because of your generosity at this point. Thank you. And in this light, thank you for faithfulness in giving each week during COVID and your extraordinary generosity to the gift. Through the gift, we were able to donate generously to ministries locally, regionally, and globally. Today, we have three new elder candidates to present to you. We're a church led by elders and our current board has prayerfully sought the face of God as we considered all nominees presented. Please meet your new elder candidates. Hello fellowship. My name is Ed Parrish and my wife is Guanaco Parrish. We've been married for 36 years and we have three children and three grandchildren. We've lived in Northwest Arkansas now for 21 years And I remember upon our arrival how Fellowship embraced us, and we made this our church home. I'm honored to be nominated as a candidate for elder, and it would be such a pleasure to uh, serve you here at Fellowship in that capacity. Hello, Fellowship. My name is Joe Ross. I've been married to my wonderful wife, uh, Catherine Ross, for 42 years. We have four children, uh, all grown now, and seven grandchildren. I grew up in Northeast Arkansas, but we've been in Fayetteville for the past 30 years. I worked as a radiation oncologist and took care of cancer patients at both NARTI and the Highlands Oncology until I retired three years ago. I'm honored and humbled both uh, by this nomination uh, to become an elder, and I look forward to serving both you and Christ in this endeavor if elected. Hello, my name is Jim Ans. I've been married to my wonderful wife, Margaret, for 36 years. We have two adult sons, Jimmy and John, and one beautiful nine-month-old granddaughter, Anna Lee. We've lived in Springdale for the past 34 years, and for all of that time, I've worked at Harps food stores, first in IT and then in finance. We've been attending fellowship for the past 27 years. I am deeply humbled and honored to be nominated as a candidate for the Elder Board. With God's help, I will do my best to serve you in that capacity. Thank you for your consideration, and may God bless you. Thank you, gentlemen, for your willingness to be set forth as candidates for the Office of Elder. It is a tremendous responsibility to be an elder at Fellowship, and your willingness to be considered speaks highly of your character, integrity, and walk with Christ. And now we have one more thing to ask of you, Fellowship. If you are a member of our church, between now and February 22nd, please affirm these candidates by visiting the link below and follow the instructions found there. Thank you for your prayers and for participating in the elder nomination process. This is an important reoccurring event in the life of our church family. God bless you all.
2: Well, good morning. Thanks for being here. Uh, I have a huge favor to ask. Can we all stand together? And this middle section looks very appetizing for more people to be there. Can we all move to the middle section and still keep two chairs between us? Anybody willing to do that? That would be awesome. It just makes us feel closer, like a family. Still social distanced, but closer. Um, We're glad you're here this morning. My name is David, I'm one of the pastors here. And we get to sing to our Lord this morning who is holy, who is faithful. We've been learning a lot in Joshua about the faithfulness of God and we're gonna continue to learn that this morning. But I want us to sing this morning and remind ourselves that we serve a holy God. So we're gonna read a couple verses together out loud and then we're gonna sing together. So let's read these together out loud. Revelation 4, 8. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. In Revelation four, verse 11, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will, they were created and have their being. And from Revelation 5:12, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength in honor and glory and praise and so this morning let's lift our voices and praise him he is worthy of it
3: holy holy holy
2: together So we praise him and him alone. This morning, we're, we're gonna do something called a Selah. And in, in the book of Psalms, you'll, Psalms you'll, you'll see a lot of times the word Selah, and what that means, it's actually a musical note. And what it means is just to pause, reset, and to refocus. And so we're gonna put a verse on the screen, and we're just gonna sit in silence for a moment this morning and listen. What does the Lord have to say? And here's the question I want you to ask. If this is true, if he is the only God, what does that mean for the decisions that I make? What does that mean for me? So if you would, would you take a seat and let's let's spend a little bit of time listening to the Lord together this morning.
4: Well, Father, you are good, you are love. Thank you for the truths that we've sung together this morning. You're holy, God, you're like no other. And now, Lord, I pray that you would do what only you can do, which is by the power of your spirit, open up your word to your people. Lord, speak to us through your holy scriptures, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all can have a seat. Well, I've been thinking a lot lately about what it means to remember. To remember those important people, those places, those events that shape us, that make us who we are. What it means to remember the shared experience that we all have. Part of the reason I've been thinking about this is because a good friend of mine recently repaired my dad's watch. And so now I wear it every day. And every time I look at it, I remember my dad, and that's important to me because I want to maintain that connection. You know, when I was a kid, we would take a summer vacation every year. Now, some years, we didn't go very far. We were traveling Arkansas, as they say, but some years, we would pile in a vehicle together and take a big road trip. In 1983, my mom, my dad, my sister Kim, and I got in my dad's 81 Chevy pickup. Now before I continue the story, I wanna get out of your head the picture that you have of what a pickup truck is. That is not what they were like in 1981. You're picturing a crew cab right, four doors, leather captain's chairs in the back, video screens for the kids, no, no. This was a single cab with a vinyl bench seat and a metal dash. The four of us got in that thing and we drove to Washington, D.C. I love that picture, I wish i had had a bigger hat. And you know what? It was an incredible trip. Even though my sister Kim and I were literally strapped together in the middle seat with one seatbelt all the way to D.C., we had an incredible trip, so incredible, in fact, that I tried to recreate that same trip almost 30 years later for my own kids because I wanted them to experience what my sister and I experienced, and that was understanding in a new way what it meant to be an American, When you go to Washington and you see what we as a nation have set in stone, it helps you understand our story. When you see the men who shaped our country, when you see the ideas that we as a people have said, this is who we are, and when you see how we honor the sacrifice of those who have provided for our freedoms, it's amazingly personal, and yet It's a shared experience. And it helped us learn an important lesson. That we understand the present by remembering the past. That's true for us as a nation. It's also true for us as as followers of Jesus. We understand what's happening now by understanding the things that have come before. And this morning... We're going to remember the way, way past as we continue our series in the book of Joshua, the historical book of Joshua. We're gonna be in Joshua chapter four. Our our title for today, A Memorial Forever, comes from Joshua 4-7. So go ahead and turn there with me if you've got your Bibles or your digital device. I wanna encourage you, if you're watching on the live stream, go ahead and grab your Bible or pull this up on your phone or your tablet, and let's look at God's word together. Well, my name's Michael. I'm one of the pastors here at Fellowship, Uh, Finley was up here earlier this morning. Finley and I worked together on the community team along with Margo and Josh and Elise, Garland and Ray. And it's an incredible team to be on. I love serving on the community team. And our heart for you, whether you're in the room or watching online, our heart for you is that you have some people in your life that you can open God's word with. That you can engage the scriptures together. I got to have lunch with a young guy this week and he was telling me that even though he studied Joshua before, opening it up with other people is totally changing the book. It's bringing it to life for him and that's what we want for all of you. So what have we seen over the last few weeks in our study of the book of Joshua? Well, we've seen that Israel, redeemed from slavery in Egypt by God, brought through 40 years of wandering in the desert, is now entering the promised land, the land that God had promised to their ancestor Abraham some 600 years earlier. And last week, Clark taught us the crossing of the Jordan as God miraculously parted the Jordan River, just as he had parted the Red Sea 40 years earlier. And we talked about how the people of Israel kept their eyes on the Ark of the Covenant, which symbolized God's presence, even as, as in an act of faith, they... Stepped into the Jordan. Clark told us that God met them at the crossing of trust and obedience. And we're going to pick it up right there today. Look at the very next line Joshua chapter 4, verse 1. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, crossing the Jordan, the Lord, all caps, it's Yahweh, said to Joshua, Take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take 12 stones from here. Out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Joshua was preparing to remember this event. He knows that this is an event that needs to be marked. He needs to mark this significant occasion. And we still do this today, don't we? We still mark significant occasions, things that are meaningful to us, with tangible things. That's why we buy souvenirs. A Few years ago, my family visited the petrified forest in Arizona. They have signs everywhere, don't take the petrified wood. Why? Because they know people want a physical thing to remember it by. It's why we take pictures, right? So we can remember people and events. And in the camera phone age, we've taken that to a whole nother level. Some of y'all, Have in the cloud a picture of every sandwich you've eaten for the last two years. You wanna remember it. Joshua knows it's an important moment. And just as those monuments and memorials in Washington, D.C. point to our past, Joshua knows this is a defining moment for Israel when they finally, finally, after centuries in slavery, after decades wandering are entering the promised land and it needs to be memorialized. So he says, one guy from each tribe, take one of these stones from the river where just hours before it had raged at flood stage, take one of these stones, we're gonna have a memorial. And in verse six, he tells them exactly why he wants them to do this. He says, when your children ask you in time to come, what do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them, that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel, here it is, a memorial forever. Joshua's looking to the future. He's looking ahead to a time where there'll be kids who don't remember this day, who, who don't know about what God did to bring them into the promised land. And he wants these stones to be a reminder and a prompt so that these parents will have this conversation with their kids, will tell their kids about God's power and provision. It's similar to the conversations that I had with my kids on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial as I told them about the great emancipator, the the president who held our nation together when it was fraying at the seams. Joshua says, parents, in the years to come, you tell your children about how the Lord, Yahweh, cut off the water of the Jordan so that our people could enter this land. And look how personal this is for him. He says, what do those stones mean to you? See, these monuments, these memorials, these remembrances, they're shared, and they're personal. And even though it's almost 40 years ago, I remember when we were at the Vietnam Memorial, my dad searching for the name of a relative who died in Vietnam. And I remember when he found that name, he stood with his hand on his name for just a moment. It was very personal. Joshua says, what do these stones mean to you? And he doesn't just expect this to be an experience for this generation and their kids. We've already mentioned it. He says, it's to be a memorial forever. The Lincoln Monument will be 100 years old next year, and I fully expect my kids to take their kids and their grandkids there because it's designed to be experienced generation after generation. That's the idea Joshua has. For generations, Israel, these stones are here to remind you of the power and provision of God. This will be a memorial to remind you how God brought us into this land dramatically, From slavery to the land of milk and honey. And then in verse 19, we get this really important time stamp. Look what it says. The people came up out of the Jordan or crossed the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. Now, I'm gonna be honest with you. In my personal study, I almost missed the significance of this verse. As a matter of fact, I had already turned in my slides, When the Lord prompted me to ask, why is this in there? And when I realized, I had to call Hallie May, our teammate who does an incredible job with all the visuals that y'all see in here. I had to call her and say, Hallie, I need verse 19 in my slides. So what's the big deal with this timestamp? Well, first of all, there's something we say a lot around here, but this is a good opportunity to say it one more time. The Bible is a historical document. The events described in the Bible are actual history that actually happened. Never, ever does the Bible have the feel of once upon a time in a land far away. No, it reads like this. On the 10th day of the first month, they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. The Bible is full of times and places and names because it's history. So what's the significance of the 10th day of the first month. Well, on the Jewish calendar, it's Nisan 10th. And just for reference, I look to see, when does Nisan 10th fall in relation to our calendar this year, and this year, 2021, it falls on March 23rd. So that gives you an idea of what time of the year this happened, but there's more to it than that. What's significant about Nisan 10th? I found the answer in Exodus 12.3. That's where we see God command the people for the very first time to begin preparations for the Passover. It says in Exodus 12, three, that on this intent, they were told, find a lamb, spotless, one-year-old male lamb. And so think about this with me for just a second. This miraculous crossing that's gonna be memorialized by these stones took place exactly 40 years to the day from the day that God prepared them to leave Egypt. God, in his perfect timing, has brought them to this exact date in their history. Just as he had prepared them to leave Egypt 40 years earlier, now he's preparing them to take the land by allowing them to cross the Jordan. Just as he split the Red Sea, he split the Jordan. It's amazing. And this verse, verse 19 is the biblical writer's way of circling this in red on our calendars. So here they are. The 40th anniversary of the first instructions to begin leaving Egypt, and they enter the promised land. And it's gonna be marked for generations by these stones that they've taken from the midst of the river to build a monument to God's power. And at the end of chapter four, Joshua reveals a second purpose for the monument. He repeats again what he said earlier. When your children ask them, ask you, you tell them about what God did here. But then he says this, look at verse 24 in chapter four. This monument's here so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. This is a message both for Israel and for the surrounding nations, for all the peoples of the earth. And so that night, when Israel goes to bed in the promised land for the first time, camped out here on the plains outside Jericho at Gilgal, the stones remind them that if it weren't for Yahweh, if it weren't for your promise-keeping God, you'd still be slaves in Egypt, But the stones also remind the other nations that Yahweh, the God of Israel, he's mighty and he's to be feared forever. And it has its intended purpose. Look at the very next verse, Joshua 5, 1. As soon as the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea, so that's basically all of the promised land, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan for the people of Israel until they had crossed over, Their hearts melted, and there was no longer any spirit in them because of the people of Israel. Those stones were there to encourage the faithful, but they were a warning to God's enemies. And these pagan kings' hearts melted in fear before the God of Israel. So now here's Israel. They've seen God work in a mighty way, and they've built this stone memorial so this day will be remembered forever. It feels like they've got all this momentum, doesn't it? The kings around them are are shaking in their boots. Now's the time to strike. You would think from a military perspective, you would move quickly, come in with shock and awe. But Joshua, led by the Lord, does the exact opposite. The Lord tells tells Joshua, now the people need to be prepared, not militarily, spiritually. Look what he tells them in verse two. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the sons of Israel a second time. Now, wait a minute. Does that seem right? We've just had this miraculous river crossing. We're on the move. We've constructed a memorial. All the nations around us, all the kings are in fear. And now we're gonna begin our military campaign by performing Minor surgery on a sensitive part of every fighting man. From a human perspective, it does not seem like a good idea. And I think you all know, minor surgery means surgery on someone else, right? If it's you, it's not minor. Why does the Lord command this? And also, why does he say a second time? Well, verse 5 opens it up a little bit. Look at verse 5. Though all the people who came out, that's, left Egypt together, had been circumcised. Yet all the people who were born on the way in the wilderness after they had come out of Egypt had not been circumcised. So it's not a second circumcision for the individuals. It's a second circumcision for the nation because we have a whole generation who's not been circumcised. Now their parents, they made sure that all the men were circumcised before they left Egypt. And it seems to kind of typify the failure of faith Represented by that whole generation who failed to trust God, failed to believe His promises, that they would have not circumcised their children for 40 years. Because circumcision was important, it was the sign of the covenant, the promise between God and his people Israel. If we turn over to Genesis 17, 11, we see God tells Abraham, you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. So this ritual of circumcision here on the plains of Jericho, it's a reminder of the promise. Israel, God is giving you this land because he's a promise-keeping God. You didn't earn it. You're not gonna take the land with your military might. You're gonna inherit it because God is giving it to you because of his promise, and circumcision is the sign of the promise from generation to generation. And so we see, once again, God is reminding them to remember. The memorial stones are there, so they will remember God's acts on their behalf. Circumcision is there so they will remember the promise, the covenant God made with their ancestor Abraham 600 years earlier. To understand the present, we have to remember the past. And so for Israel to understand what God was doing in Joshua's day, they had to remember the promises made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob they had to remember that their covenant-keeping God was at work. And the way God had given them to remember was circumcision. And so now with the covenant ceremonially renewed, symbolically through circumcision, they're ready not to attack, not yet. They're ready to remember by celebrating their most important feast, the Passover. Look at Joshua 5.10. While the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal, they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month in the evening on the plains of Jericho. Now remember, they crossed the river on Nisan 10th, the day the lambs would have been selected for Passover. Now it's Nisan 14th, the day the Passover is actually celebrated. So let's take a moment and remember what the Passover celebration is designed to do. In Exodus 12, when Israel was still enslaved in Egypt, God told them, take a lamb, a one-year-old male lamb without blemish and sacrifice it. Put the blood on the doorposts of your home. God says, when my judgment comes on Egypt and the firstborn dies in every home, the households with the blood of the lamb on the doorposts will be protected he says in verse 13 i will pass over that's why the the festival is called the passover then look at verse 14 he says this day shall be for you a memorial day and you shall keep it as a feast to the lord throughout your generations as a statute forever you shall keep it as a feast notice how similar the language is, to Joshua four seventeen. it's to be a memorial forever. Just as those stones were designed to help them remember how God acted on their behalf to bring them into the promised land, the Passover was to help them remember how God saved them through the blood of the Lamb. And this Passover meal in Joshua 5, the first Passover meal eaten in the promised land, is especially significant because it represents a major turning point in God's dealing with the nation of Israel. See, God had brought them out of Egypt through the Passover event, and now he's bringing them in to the land he promised because he's a promise-keeping God, and he signals this important change to them. Look at verse 11. And the day after the Passover, on that very day, They ate of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain. And the manna ceased the day after they ate of the produce of the land. And there was no longer manna for the people of Israel, but they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. For 40 years, God had provided for their food needs by manna six days a week. And the morning after the Passover was celebrated, No more manna. God was signaling to them, this period in your history is over. No longer will you wander in the desert, relying on me to provide your food. Now you're in the land, the land that God has set aside. And you'll eat off the produce of the land because it's a land flowing with milk and honey. The manna ceased because God had kept his promise. After this Passover meal, Everything changed. A new era in their history was beginning. But to understand that, they had to remember. Because we understand the present by remembering the past. God gave them the memorial stones, circumcision, and the Passover to remind them of his faithfulness in the past so they could understand what he was doing in the present. And y'all, we are just like them. We need to be constantly reminded of God's mighty deeds. We need to always remember what he's done in the past. And so he's given us some ways to do that. The main one is the Bible. When we read the Bible every day, we are reminded of God's faithfulness. Our Bibles, God's word tells us who God is and what God's done. And when we understand that, we can understand what he's doing today. And just as that Passover meal at Gilgal changed everything for Israel, there was a Passover meal that changed everything for us. It was on the night before Jesus was crucified. We find it in Luke 22. He gathered his disciples in the upper room. And in verse 15, he said, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. He gathered the disciples so they could have a meal that they had eaten every year their whole life. A meal that the nation of Israel had eaten every year going back to the days of Moses. And Jesus gave it new meaning. He said, this bread that you've been eating every year, it always pointed to me. In verse 19, he says, this bread is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In other words, this bread and this wine have always pointed to Jesus. And so now, They're a memorial forever. Just as the Israelites remembered God's provision through the Passover, this bread and this juice helps us remember God's provision, not through a lamb, but through the lamb of God, his son, Jesus Christ, who was sacrificed for our sins. So just like for Israel at Gilgal, this Passover meal, we call it the Last Supper, It signaled that everything was gonna change and we remember that every time we take communion. Communion is designed to cause us to remember, to remember that all of God's promises pointed to Jesus. To remember that in Jesus, we don't just have the fulfillment of all these promises of a Messiah who was to come, but we have the new covenant, which Jesus said was in his blood. The new covenant, that says God will write his law on our hearts and we'll experience forgiveness of sins and we'll be his people. So if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're here in the room, I wanna invite you to go ahead and open those communion elements that you got on the way in and just hold on to them. And if you're joining us on the live stream, I wanna invite you, get crackers, get juice, whatever you have handy. It's the spirit of taking communion that we're looking for if you're at home. And whether you're at home or in the room, I want you to hold on to those elements for just a moment because I want to invite you to remember. I want us all to remember the body, remember the blood. And once you get those elements open, I'm gonna invite you to go ahead and stand with us right now. We're gonna worship before we take communion together. And as we do, I want you to remember not only the death and resurrection of Jesus. I want you to remember he's the risen king. I want you to remember that right now he's reigning and ruling. I want you to remember that one day he'll reign and rule on the earth. I want you to remember his victory over sin and death. And I want you to remember that he's coming again to establish a kingdom that will be without end. Lord, thank you. Thank you for helping us remember thank you that you are good and you are god and lord i pray in a moment when we take communion we'll remember rightly a memorial forever father
5: of
3: kindness you have poured out grace you brought me out of darkness you Fill me with peace and give her mercy on my help in time of need. But I can't help but sing. Let's sing this together. Faithful. Faith-
4: so this morning we remember his death we remember his resurrection we remember that he's coming again his body given for you do this in remembrance of him jesus said my blood is poured out for the new covenant we remember the new covenant we remember his blood poured out for you do this in remembrance of him
2: So we sing this this morning, we rest. Our confidence is found in Him being faithful. So Let's declare, I will rest.
3: All your promises
2: We remember. We remember the past so we can understand the future. And we hold on to this truth. We we'll understand the present by remembering the past faithfulness of our God. We serve a faithful God. This morning if you'd like prayer or come come tell us a story of how you've seen the Lord's faithfulness in your life, to my left to your right the prayer room. We would love to pray with you this morning. So fellowship fable well, this week we go in remembrance of the faithfulness of our God. God bless you.